0: I cannot tell you any lies. I do not like to exercise. I do not like squats in my home. I don't like lunging all alone. Crunches make me want to cry and burpees make me want to die. So I can say without a doubt, thank goodness for this Not Boring Workout. Yay, you've made it to another episode of Not Boring Workouts, the only podcast in the world that will talk about sex dungeons on a Tuesday and then dive into the life of America's favorite children's book author just a few days later. So welcome to the Time to Get Loose with Dr. Seuss workout. Our regular listeners know that ding means it's time for me to tell you what to do. And since this is a particularly stressful time for so many people, we thought it was the perfect moment for a self-care workout all about stretching. So I want you to start today standing. Raise your arms up over your head and really reach through those fingertips. Keep reaching up, but now lean over to the left and stretch that whole right side. Breathe there. Now move through center and over to the right, stretching your left side. Keep moving slowly left to right. So yes, in our last episode, I was inspired to tell you all about my trip to a sex dungeon. While I was recording that episode, my silent partner, David, was welcoming his first child into this terrifying dumpster fire of a world. And that inspired him to write this little story of Dr. Seuss. And I thank you, David, and also... Mazel Tov! Born 116 years prior to David's daughter, Dr. Seuss began life as Theodore Geisel in Springfield, Massachusetts, and grew up close to Mulberry Street, the subject of his very first children's book. And to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street. His father ran a successful brewery until it was shut down due to prohibition, after which he became a parks commissioner. Remain standing and spread your legs out wide. Bend at the waist and reach down to the floor between your legs. Now try to walk your fingers over to your left foot. Hold there for a breath and then walk over to your right foot. Do this a few more times, but I won't leave you hanging upside down for too long. Geisel attended Dartmouth College from 1922 to 1925, where he became the editor-in-chief of the college-run humor magazine, The Jack-O-Lantern. It's worth noting that Dartmouth is widely believed to be the model for the college in the movie Animal House. And even back in the 20s, it seemed to have been a party school. I'm hoping the rest of the 2020s also is a party. Really, uh, the 1920s, right? We had a plague and a war, and then everybody partied. So I'm hoping that after this shit show, we all party hard. Anyway, back to our story. Geisel and his friends ended up getting busted for drinking gin. And as part of the punishment, Geisel was forced to resign from the jack-o'-lantern. That is ridiculous because when I think back to college, we were basically legally alcoholics and it was sanctioned by the school. Slowly roll back up to standing and bring your feet back together. Place your hands on your hips and begin doing gentle twists left and right. The best part of that story is that the person who imposed the punishment was Dartmouth College Dean Craven Laycock. Oh my God, that was his actual fucking name, Craven Laycock. Let's just think about that for a moment. I I, I feel like I should have a joke here, but that, that is the punchline, Craven Laycock. Also, if your last name is Laycock, maybe don't name your kid Craven. I guess the only thing worse would be if they had named their son Richard, and he went by Dick. Dick Laycock. Anyway, David triple-checked the name to make sure we weren't being punked. Meanwhile, in order to keep publishing content in the Jack-O-Lantern, Geisel assumed the nom de plume, Dr. Seuss. After graduating from Dartmouth, Geisel attended Oxford with the intention of pursuing a PhD in English literature. At Oxford, he met his future wife, Helen Palmer, who, after seeing his notebooks filled with drawings and sketches of fantastical creatures and caricatures, convinced him to drop out of Oxford and pursue a career as an illustrator and cartoonist. I fucking love that shit. I love that instead of telling someone to go be more responsible, I love the people who are like, be less responsible. I sound like maybe I'm being sarcastic. I'm not. That's great. Let's move to the floor. Lay down flat on your belly, legs outstretched behind you, and hands right by your shoulders. Time for a little nod to yoga. Start with a cobra stretch, pressing through your hands and arching your back. Just enough to feel that stretch, and then lower yourself back down. Do a few more of those, and you should probably focus on your breath while you do them. David, if you don't have some kind of uh, crystal bowl sound there, I'm going to be pissed. Geisel took that advice. He returned to Springfield in 1927 and began submitting cartoons to the top magazines, publishers, and advertising agencies. He sold his first cartoon to the Saturday Evening Post for $25, (laughs) making his public debut on July 16, 1927. Based on that first sale, Geisel moved to New York City and landed a full-time illustrator job at Judge magazine. A few months after that, he and Helen were married. As you should be, Dr. Seuss, she really hooked you up there. At Judge, Geisel returned to signing his work, Dr. Seuss and he had his breakthrough hit with a cartoon featuring a very popular bug spray at the time called Flit, which was made by Standard Oil of New Jersey. What? Let's press from this cobra into a downward dog position. Essentially, you're leaving your hands and feet pretty much where they are while raising your hips up and back so that you become an inverted V. Once you find yourself in this position, slowly move back and forth, From Cobra to Downward Dog. An advertising executive in charge of Flit saw Geisel's cartoon and hired him away from Judge. Geisel's first Flit ad appeared on May 31st, 1928, and he continued creating spots all the way until 1941. The campaign's catchphrase, Quick, Henry, the Flit, became a part of popular culture, spawning a hit song and multiple references from famous radio personalities such as Fred, Alan, and Jack Benny. That success and exposure led to increased demand, and soon Geisel began to appear regularly in magazines such as Life, Liberty, and Vanity Fair. Turns out that, at least back then, that could be a really lucrative profession, and it allowed Geisel and his wife to lead a rather sweet life. They did not have children and neither were restricted by a traditional office job. They began to travel extensively, visiting over 30 countries between 1928 and 1936 and moved within some pretty high society social circles. Move to all fours and let's do some cat cow. Start by letting your back sink down in the middle while you lift your head and then reverse the movement, dropping your head and rounding your back keep transitioning between these two positions. On a return voyage from Europe, Geisel was inspired by the rhythmic sounds of the ship's engines to write his first children's book and to think that it happened on Mulberry Street. The book was rejected by dozens of publishers until a chance encounter with a fellow Dartmouth alum led to its publication by Vanguard Press in 1936. May that inspire you all! Now officially, Dr. Seuss, he published four more kids' books before World War II fully kicked off in 1941, and he temporarily switched gears to political cartoons, creating over 400 of them for the lefty NYC newspaper PM. Dr. Seuss was highly critical of those opposing U.S. entry into the war and called out instances of racism and anti-Semitism occurring around the country. Go ahead and lie down on your back. Extend your legs out straight and then bend your right knee and use your arms to pull it into your chest. Hold it there for a few breaths and then do the same with your left leg. Do this a few more times. In 1943, Dr. Seuss joined the army where he became commander of the animation department of the first motion picture unit of the United States Army Air Forces. Didn't know that was a thing. There he oversaw the production of multiple films, including an animated series called Captain Snafu that was directed by animation legend Chuck Jones and voiced by Mr. Bugs Bunny himself, Mel Blanc. Captain Snafu, also the title of my memoir. After the war ended, Geisel and his wife moved to California and returned to focusing on children's books. In the early 1950s, he wrote a number of well-received books, including If I Ran the Zoo, but it was a creative challenge in 1954 that led to his true breakthrough. (coughs) Bend one leg and place that foot flat on the floor, and then cross your other leg so that your ankle is against that knee. Now use your hands to draw that bent knee and foot closer to your chest. You should feel the stretch along the hamstring. Hold that there and breathe, and I will tell you when to switch legs. In May 1954, Life magazine published a report on illiteracy among schoolchildren, which concluded that children were not learning to read because their books were boring. This inspired the director of the education division at Houghton Mifflin, not to be confused with Dunder Mifflin, to create a list of 348 words that he felt were important for first graders to recognize. He asked Geisel to cut the list to 250 words and to write a book using only those words. Nine months later, Dr. Seuss delivered the cat in the hat using 236 of the words given to him. Switch to the other leg now. This move to the early reader books turned out to be hugely popular and led to other massive hits, including Green Eggs and Ham and One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, Even today, each of those children's books sell upwards of 500,000 copies a year, easily making Dr. Seuss the most widely read children's author in the fucking world. I had to make it dirty. I'm sorry. Go ahead and sit up. Bend your legs and place the soles of your feet together, letting your knees fall outward towards the floor. Holding your feet, slowly lower your chest towards the ground. Inhale and exhale to deepen the stretch. Hold there until the next ding, you know how it goes. Dr. Seuss made a point of not beginning to write his stories with a moral in mind, stating that, quote, kids can see a moral coming a mile off, close, quote, but that, quote, there's an inherent moral in any story, end quote. Many of his works subtly address significant political and social issues of the time. 1954's Horton Hears a Who is largely about anti-isolationism and internationalism. Holiday classic How the Grinch Stole Christmas is about the dangers of consumerism. 1961's The Sneetches teaches racial equality. 1971's The Lorax is all about environmentalism. Please listen to our episodes uh, about what you can do to go a little greener. And 1981's The Butter Battle book was about the nuclear arms race. Extend those legs out straight and then reach high over your head. Bend at the waist and reach for your toes. Get as far as you can and hold that until we ding again. After a long battle with illness, Helen Geisel took her own life in 1967. And Geisel remarried to Audrey DeMond in 1968? Dr. Seuss remained childless, stating, You have him, I'll entertain him. God, I love that. In addition to publishing over 60 books, Dr. Seuss helped to adapt many of his biggest hits into movies and TV shows. Following his death from cancer in 1991, his estate was managed by his wife, who authorized additional film adaptations and the creation of the Broadway show Seussical the Musical, which I haven't seen, but the music is quite delightful. However, even she was so horrified by Mike Myers' portrayal of the Cat in the Hat that she banned all live-action adaptations for a number of years. That's awesome. Let's wrap things up by wrapping yourself in a big hug. Pull both knees into your chest, give a good squeeze, and then release arms and legs out straight on the floor. Just lie there and take a few nice slow breaths. And that's the story of Dr. Seuss. And I, for one, am super relieved to find out that he wasn't secretly a problematic womanizer or guilty of some other cancelable offenses. I feel like often David writes a piece and... I have no idea where it's going, and then it's like enemas and euthanasia and um, ethnic cleansing. If something was wrong with Dr. Seuss, I was going to be super upset. Anyway, point is we can all go on loving Dr. Seuss and sharing his fun and whimsy with the next generation, a.k.a. David's daughter. And so our workout has reached an end. I did want to leave another little sidebar, which is that I was recently in Joshua Tree. And Joshua Trees, the trees, because they are actual trees, which I didn't realize till the first time I went, they look like they are something straight out of Dr. Seuss. They are fantastic. And in fact, a lot of the vegetation around Southern California, when I walk around, I think of Dr. Seuss. And a lot of people say that he was inspired by the plant life of California. I don't know if that's true, but I like to believe that it is. Well, I hope you enjoyed that stretch because, you know, this week and next they're gonna be crazy. So, I hope you enjoyed your me time. And now, all we ask is that you leave us a review or rating wherever you get your podcasts. And if you are feeling super cool, you can also leave us a tip. We're at Not Boring Workouts on Venmo, uh, or you can also check out Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/NotBoringWorkouts. Finally, it would be awesome if you could tweet at us. We would love to hear your thoughts, fears, and feedback. And in particular, we're always looking for what we should cover next. So please let us know what you'd like to hear. Thank you so much for your time today. And we hope that you will check us out again. Bye.